0: Hi hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The
1: Tyron Barry Show.
0: We have got one of my favorite humans, and probably the reason I'm actually even doing this podcast here in the first place today. But we have M. Rose with us. She was my mentor, my coach um, at the start, I was going to say the start of this year, the start of last <laughs> year. Um, And yeah, she is honestly, she basically transformed me into who I am today in a lot of ways. And she, I'm going to let her do her introduction, but she's a, I think it's a nervous system and neuroscience coach. I love that. She's transitioned into that and I feel like it's just everything that she's about. But Emma, would you be able to share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do and why you do what you do?
2: Of course I can. Hello and thank you so much for having me. That was such a nice introduction. (laughs) I would like to, yeah, you know, take all the credit, but you know, you have to be a very amazing human to do all the things that you do on your own. So you're incredible and it was an honour to work with you. Um, But yes, hi, I'm Em. I am a neuroscience and nervous system coach Um, I basically work with humans in understanding their brain and their body and their behaviour and um, basically just help people create their dream lives and live their dream lives and have lives at the highest possible standards that they can have through the very simple science and understanding of their brain, body and behaviour.
0: I love that. And did you want to tell us a little bit about... I guess, your own personal journey into why you are where you are today. I can, yeah.
2: So I have, I guess I have been in kind of like the education and coaching side of things for a long time. Um, and it was actually being diagnosed with ADHD where I really, really, got into the knowledge and the exciting world of the brain. Um, I was diagnosed in, I think it was 2021, after many years of suspecting it and a misdiagnosis as a lot of us also have. um, And that really just, yeah, got me really interested in the brain and how the brain functions. And mostly after the diagnosis, I was really interested in understanding the best ways to manage it and the best ways to thrive. And that got me into understanding the brain and the nervous system. And it became my absolute passion. I became obsessed with it. And I became obsessed with helping others understand as well. Um, and I think that, you know, I was in, I was in business coaching. Predominantly when I started in coaching and I found myself always having conversations with my clients around not necessarily their business or their business strategy, but mostly about their human. And Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about, you know, working with not only business owners now, but with everyone in, you know, building long term success, whether that is in business, in relationships, in their life. And that all comes back to you as a human and Mm. and your brain and your nervous system and that's always at the crux of things Mm.
0: so yeah I think it's so interesting because I think for such a long time in society we've focused on and this was actually something that you taught me we focused on the outcomes of things but really a lot of what we need to focus on is internally what's going on Um, and I think that's been a massive shift for us, like last year. And I said this on a few, a few episodes ago, but last year was very much like the practice run, you know, we were trialing a lot of things. We were figuring out, you know, that eating out wasn't the best, eating at home's better. You know, the fact we were staying up till 1am most nights, like just so many things. We just really figured out what wasn't working. Um, Mm. and then even just through watching your stuff, um, and learning from you, you know, we were able to kind of start yeah really honing in on the why behind why we actually need to kind of have different behaviors but you mentioned that famous word that is going around everywhere at the moment and it's the nervous system can you please (laughs) explain what is the nervous system what do people mean when they're referring to the nervous system
2: of course I can and I absolutely love that it's something that it's going around at the moment (laughs) that is very exciting for me um So just to kind of, I mean, we could be here for hours talking about what the nervous system is and the science behind the nervous system, but essentially what the nervous system is, it's the control center of our body. So it is, we have two sides of our nervous system. We have our central nervous system and our peripheral nervous system. Those two combined contain our brain and our spinal cord and all of the nerves that connect the brain and the spinal cord to the rest of our body. And so basically, the nervous system is responsible for everything that we do and everything that we feel, both voluntarily and involuntarily. So the way that our nervous system functions, it is essentially who we are and what we do. And it is responsible for all the ways that we feel and all the ways that we behave and and everything to do with the way that we are as a human
0: I love that that was a very good simplified version (laughs) I feel like when people ask me what the nervous system is I'm like um let me be here for five minutes trying to explain this
1: bunch of things
0: yeah I'm like yeah it's everything (laughs) it is our control center that is the that
2: is the easiest way to to describe it yeah and Mm. I
0: guess that that then leads us on to you know obviously we all have a nervous system it's something that runs you know both I was going to say automatically but also there is that kind of what do you call it um involuntary yeah involuntary (laughs) aspect too so what does it mean to have because this is another term that I guess is kind of thrown around what does it mean to have a dysregulated nervous system and Mm -hmm. you've mentioned before that you know people with ADHD can tend to have a heightened or kind of dysregulated nervous system in particular so talk us through that
2: Yes. So essentially to have a dysregulated nervous system means that you have a nervous system that is out of balance. We have two sides to our peripheral nervous system. We have our sympathetic nervous system and we have our parasympathetic nervous system. Those are a part of our autonomic nervous system, right? So I'm complicating things. <laughs> we'll go back. Let's just focus on the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous can You can tell I'm like a science nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we're just focusing on sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. Most people would know those two sides as your fight or flight Mm. or your rest and digest, right? Now, at any point in time, these two nervous systems are working in conjunction with each other. They're working in a balance. If you have a dysregulated nervous system, it means one is activating more than the other. There is is something that's out of balance here. So it either means that you are in fight or flight, which is usually feelings of anxiety, stress, heightened, um, you know, those really heightened Mm. feelings. Or you're in a parasympathetic state, which is um, usually feelings of like depression, slowness, stillness, fatigue, like really low kind of feelings. Now, when there is an imbalance in these nervous systems, that is what we call dysregulation. Now, usually in someone who has ADHD, ADHD affects the functioning of the nervous system as a whole. It, um, you know, our nervous systems have to work a little bit harder than everyone else's to be able to function properly. And with that nervous system having to work harder, the body is under a little bit more stress, Mm. which usually means that we are experiencing uh, experiencing a dysregulation towards the the stress side, the sympathetic side, the fight or flight side. So having ADHD and having a dysregulated nervous system really goes hand in hand because, like I said, the nervous system of someone with ADHD has to work a little bit harder Mm. to the, the everyday aspects of life and the cognitive functioning because of the the way that our brain functions. So there is a a consumption of energy being taken away from our normal physiological functions and the way that our body normally functions to, uh, for the resources to go and actually, you know, focus on those things that need that extra energy. And so therefore our normal physiological functions really are are not getting enough love essentially. Mm -hmm. And they're not functioning the way that they're meant to those functions are what keep us regulated those functions are what keep us balanced so being able to actually understand the nervous system being able to understand the the cues of a dysregulated mm. nervous system allows everybody let alone people with ADHD to be able to try and intentionally bring our nervous system back to balance it's it's This is what I love about the nervous system and the brain is that you can put intention towards them when you understand how it functions and and how it's, you know, quote-unquote meant to function. You can actually intentionally influence the way that it functions. You can intentionally influence the production of neurotransmitters like dopamine, which we know we need more of. Um, you can identify the cues in your body that are telling you that you're feeling dysregulated, and so you can, you can influence the regulation. Mm-hmm. So dysregulation in general is, is there is an imbalance of the way that our normal functioning is happening. Usually with someone in ADHD, it is towards the, the sympathetic side, which is the feelings of, you know, stress, anxiety, overwhelm the the heightened
1: feelings
0: yeah right do you have any questions around that Baz?
1: i did have a question but i think i think uh em kind of answered it but i'll 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 ask it and see but um what are some of the signs for people with adhd that go into dysregulation
2: so for someone with adhd there's seven signs that you can look for to kind of give you the idea that you are dysregulated and those signs are if you're feeling on edge or overwhelmed You can be feeling irritable and snappy and reactive. If you're getting overstimulated, easy. Mm. If you have trouble sleeping or you're feeling fatigue throughout the day, um, trouble concentrating or paying attention. If you suffer from skin or gut health conditions. um, And then also if you feel highly sensitive to other people's emotions as well. So those are usually the, the key indicators and those are the indicators that I use when I'm doing a nervous system audit, audit sorry, on clients to kind of get an understanding of their, their baseline levels mm. of dysregulation. Yeah. Um, another thing with those is, you know, if you are, they're all really good indicators to look for if you're feeling them regularly. So if you're someone, not only if you're feeling in the moment, like if you're feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated, like yes, that's a really good indicator of of dysregulation. But if you're someone who feels all of those things regularly, so you're someone who regularly gets overstimulated, if you regularly get overwhelmed, if you are someone who suffers with constant skin or gut health conditions, then that's a really good indication that you are running a highly dysregulated nervous system and your kind of baseline levels of of dysregulation are quite high.
0: Yeah, right. It almost makes me wonder if, because a lot of people with ADHD or just who are people who are neurodiverse, I guess there's this idea that we go into burnout, you know, there's ADHD burnout or autistic burnout. And it almost makes me wonder if like just being in this prolonged state of dysregulation is what leads to that because those signs that you just listed almost sound interchangeable with the description of adhd burnout like it sounds which is why this work
2: yeah which is why this work is so important for people Mm. with adhd because it it like i said it it goes hand in hand and you're exactly right burnout adhd burnout is you know, it, it's being in a state of constant dysregulation. Yeah. Your body's tired. Your mm. body has spent so much time trying to keep you alive and trying to keep you safe. And yeah. that is why you experience this this crash. Yeah, mm. because,
0: it, yeah, it's just fascinating because I was writing a, um, a lesson on burnout and I almost feel like it's the same thing. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so it's so interchangeable because like all of those things that you know you were saying that i guess the reason why people with adhd are more they have a dysregulated nervous system is the same reason as to why people with adhd are more likely to go into burnout it's you mm-hmm. know because you know every day like i always give the analogy of like you know Barry going to the store and picking up some milk is very different for me going to the store and picking up milk like Mm -hmm. you know Barry just gets in his car he trucks some music on he goes down there he gets it I sit there and I'm like what am I getting again and then I'm trying to you know get the keys to get out of the house and then I'm like oh shit the laundry needs doing and then I'm feeling shame because you know the laundry hasn't been done and then it's like there's I haven't even left to get the milk yet and so it's that's like that analogy of like not analogy but it's the idea that Everyday tasks just take so much more effort. Yeah.
1: So, what you, what would you say? Um, with the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, in the way of ADHD people, an ADHD person, um, which one gets burnt out quicker, or which one is used more?
2: Definitely sympathetic. Mm. Um, essentially, you know, the sympathetic nervous system, like I said, it is fight or flight. So, when when someone with ADHD Someone with ADHD has their normal functioning of their nervous system. It it functions, it takes a lot more effort, Mm. right? And when when things take a lot more effort, you're putting the body under stress. And when the body's under stress, it is in overwhelm, Mm. it's in overdrive. And and with that is the sympathetic activation. It is the sympathetic nervous system saying, hey, we're really stressed out right now. And that is what leads you to to feeling that burnout.
0: Mm. This might be a bit of a side quest as i like to call it but like what do you think the um i guess the evolutionary reason behind getting dysregulated is like what was the the perp- purpose if that makes sense does that question even make sense yeah, at all? The- yeah yeah of course of <laughs> you're course. you're yeah. looking at me like tara what are you asking
2: no. <laughs> It's it's in the name, right? It's fight or flight. Yeah. So essentially our sympathetic nervous system is there to keep us safe. Yeah. Evolutionarily, it's there to keep us safe. So its role is to take the the prompts from the brain and what the brain is telling us based on our our sensory receptors of what we are experiencing in the world. The brain will say, "Hey, this is a danger, this is a threat." It will then activate the sympathetic nervous system. Mm. So it will say whatever I'm perceiving right now is a a threat and these physiological functions need to occur to keep me safe. So my heart rate needs to be elevated. My breathing rate needs to be elevated. All of these physiological things that happen when our sympathetic nervous system is activated are there to put us into fight or flight mode to, to keep us alive and keep us safe. The thing is that as we have evolved, it's not necessarily predators that are a a threat anymore Mm. it's things that we are scared of Mm. it is things that we have observed that are something we need to fear you know things that we hold in our subconscious from from trauma or experience or things that we've been told or beliefs that we have of ourselves. it's not necessarily that we're being chased by a lion anymore Mm. it's that we are talking in front of an audience or we are Going to um, going to the shops where we know there's going to be lots of stimulation. It's mm. like those are the threats to us now,
0: that's and so our
2: our body just responds in the same way to threats, regardless of what the threat is. Yeah,
0: that's so interesting.
1: Yeah, I've, I've noticed a lot of the times Tara when she when she struggles to fall, fall asleep at night, her I think it's obviously a sympathetic system is coming into to play where she's thinking about the next day or thinking about those things that come with it and then there's like this weird kind of thing that happens where she can't actually fall asleep so she gets annoyed with herself and then the shame Uh happens and it's like this vicious cycle (laughs) then i become
0: emotionally dysregulated yeah
1: so it's it's basically the fact that her her parasympathetic system can't actually start working Mm, and then leads to burnout again oh goodness, so smart
2: it's a vicious cycle
0: it's good fun well it makes it makes me wonder you know what and this is probably a a good question to ask you know what does being in this heightened dysregulated state for a long period of time like what does this actually what's the impact of that on somebody
2: look there's there's obviously day-to-day impact of being dysregulated I mean it goes back to all of the symptoms, right? Those are all of the ways that dysregulation can manifest. So when you are dysregulated, you have, again, like all of your standard physiological and cognitive functions are being consumed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So we can't do things like concentrate or hold attention or you know you're more likely to have impulsive behaviors i always like to say being dysregulated is very much like being drunk like you actually lack that that conscious control yeah. right you because you don't have the energy to actually have the the conscious thought and the conscious decision yeah. your energy is being con- consumed trying to keep you safe essentially Um, so yeah you'll be you'll be restless Um, you will struggle with cognitive functioning like productivity and focus and motivation Uh, you'll be forgetful you will have um, which we can all relate to you know intense emotions and, Mm. and mood swings and emotional reactivity and difficulty sleeping like you said and when you do get to sleep sleep it's low quality sleep because you kind of your body is still on alert, right? Again, going back to evolution, and I'm so glad you mentioned this because this is something I want to talk about, but it's going back to evolution. If we are in fight or flight mode while we're asleep, we are still needing to be alert mm. for predators, right? Like we're still needing, we can't go into deep restorative sleep. Um, and then there's the, the really long-term effects of, of having a dysregulated nervous system. Again, your, your normal physiological functioning isn't happening in a regulated way all of your body's resources are going towards constantly being on alert and constantly keeping you safe and this can this can manifest as disease and illness and chronic stress and further mental health issues like essentially you just you're using up your body's resources constantly that are supposed to be there for keeping you alive and fighting off infection and fighting off bacteria. And instead you're putting stress on the body, which, yeah, can, can manifest in, in very dangerous ways.
0: It just goes to show you really how, like, obviously this is so important for every single human to learn, one, the how to recognise what being in a dysregulated state is. Mm. But then, secondly, how specifically important it is for adhd is because we already kind of like naturally are dysregulated in a way Mm -hmm. and then it's like dysregulation then adds to that so it's like triple important i think Mm -hmm. i even heard a stat the other day that said it was i'm not gonna even try to quote it properly but it was basically implying that people with adhd compared to the general population have a shorter lifespan simply just because they have adhd Mm. like
2: and it's and it's the amount of stress that their body is under constantly
0: is that not insane like that literally blew my mind so is
1: it 15 years or something
0: yeah it takes nearly 15 years off your life which just goes to show you that like regardless of whether you're listening to this you know it's really easy and i say this like probably calling out the younger version of me Mm. but like it's so easy when you're feeling young and you know you're you're in your your most healthy body I guess to not really give a shit about this stuff Mm. but like I think we are so blessed as a generation to like have access to this information compared to like you know our parents and the generations previously that really like if you are listening to this you know which i mean if you're in your ears you're listening but pay attention no i'm kidding um if you are listening you know you have an opportunity where you can change the trajectory i can never say that word trajectory of your life and i think that's really really powerful i think sometimes as adhds we can get really caught up on like okay, there's 50 things that, you know, I can do to like implement all these amazing strategies and whatnot. But I think it's, you know, Barry and I have this joke that, you know how people say they're going to be doing 1% better every day we say three percent because we're like a little bit behind and we've kind of been like lacking (laughs) so we're currently doing three percent better every day so it's like okay we'll go to sleep better like we'll go to sleep at a better time we'll eat a healthy meal and we'll exercise like that's our three percent better every day but yeah em i would love for you to tell our audience and our listeners what are some strategies that people can start to implement in their daily life to really help them get their nervous system to a regulated state Mm -hmm.
2: I love this I think that um, you know much like I said before we could be here for hours there are so many so many ways that you can bring your body back to regulation in both in the moment you know when you are feeling dysregulated and, and bringing yourself back but I think specifically for, for your audience and for people with ADHD in, in general, the approach that is best to take is focusing on the long-term healing of your mm. nervous system and the long-term regulation of your nervous system. And I, I spend months and months with people giving them specific strategies to regulate the nervous system and, and it, having a look at the current state of it and all of the things, but... It always, for me, if you're going to start healing your nervous system today, not tomorrow, today, (laughs) there are two things that you can focus on that are going to have the biggest impact. And that is sleep Mm. and breath. Mm. And we, you know, you guys have mentioned sleep a couple of times already, but high quality sleep is essential for the restoration of your nervous system you actually just need that the the specific sleep cycles and the stages of sleep to be restored and have Mm -hmm. recovery in your nervous system your nervous system needs that recovery every single day and and like you said barry you know i listen to that podcast as well where you know, shift workers struggle the most and, and they, they have a lower life expectancy is, be, is because their sleep is mm. out. Yeah. And the first thing that I focus on with my clients always is something called the circadian rhythm. Mm. And this is, you know, your, your sleep-wake cycle, your biological clock. So really implementing strategies and implementing behaviours into your day that are going to boost and, and regulate and realign your circadian rhythm that should be first and foremost your priority. Now, what that looks like is not just getting to bed at a decent hour, but it's all of the behaviours that lead up to Mm. going to bed and all of the behaviours after you wake up from Mm. that sleep as well. Now, in specifics, actually I'll come back to that. So circadian rhythm first focus. Absolutely first and foremost that should be your first focus in boosting that and I and I'll go through specific things in a second. The second thing is breath, like I said. Now breath is one of the only functions in our body that happens both consciously and unconsciously. It's a part of our autonomic nervous system, which is the the part of our nervous system that happens without us needing to control it. So things like our heart rate, our temperature regulation, our digestion, those are all things that our body does that don't actually need our conscious attention. So when we eat something, we don't need to go, okay, cool, now go down the esophagus and (laughs) go into, you know, you don't have to, it just happens, right? our breath is something that it just happens mm. but it's also one of those things that one of the only things that we can also control mm. and our breath is a direct key and a direct access to both sides of the uh, of the autonomic nervous system so mm. both the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system the way that we breathe can actually put us in in Either of those categories. So, retraining your breath and making sure that you are breathing in a way that is not constantly activating your sympathetic nervous system because, as evolution has gone on and as we have become more sedentary and as we have, you know, changed the way that we eat, therefore, the shape of our face has changed, we are breathing differently to what our body is meant to be breathing. And the way that we're breathing is activating our sympathetic nervous system. It is not deep enough. It is you know, through our mouth, which means that our breath isn't filtered. Mm. Um, the way that we breathe as a human race is declining. Mm. So retraining your breath very simply to A, breathe through your nose, and B, breathe deep into your belly. That is one of the key ways in which you can become a more regulated human so breath and sleep your first two focuses that is by far the 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 one thing that i want people to take away from this episode breath and sleep
0: yeah i <laughs> i actually agree with that i think i think particularly with someone for someone with adhd sleep is just the oh,
1: the best thing ever
0: bane, bane of my existence <laughs> it's, it's
1: funny i think you is that another dive CEO episode they're talking about the breath, one, about yeah, the breath one.
0: I've listened to that episode. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I'm I'm obsessed with breath. I have yeah. a whole breath retraining program. So yeah, I'm I I love breath.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Like ever since getting the Whoop on both Tara and I, I never knew because I was like, oh, eight hours sleep, eight hours sleep is when when I fall asleep to when yeah, I wake yeah. up. But I had no idea that there was bits where you actually are awake without being conscious. Mm-hmm. And there's like light, then there's deep, then there's the REM sleep. I was like, this is mm-hmm. all breakdown. And then, like, I was like, oh, I'm actually getting restorative sleep. Only like two or three hours. I'm like, that's nothing
0: in yeah. the in the scheme of things.
1: <laughs> and an, yeah. and another one that I've kind of focused on is your HIV or heart rate mm-hmm. variability, which mm-hmm. I was like, I looked up,
0: um, <laughs>
1: and I was like, I'm way too low. For we my like age, I'm people. like I'm 45, we <laughs> 50. So I'm like I need I need to change this because that's one of the massive ones that yeah. um, I think uh, affects how long you live and it affects everything.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's very eye opening the sleep thing. I think you know, I'd be lying if I said that I haven't been trying to improve my sleep my whole life, um, but. I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, a lot of the time we, we as human beings, like we, we know this stuff. You know, we, we get told this stuff from our doctors and, you know, you should go to bed at the same time every mm. night and X, Y, Z. But I think, and this was actually one of my next questions, but sometimes having a device or, you know, something that can really show you, especially as ADHDs, we're very visual and we mm. kind of need to be called out. And my whoop calls me out every yeah. damn day.
1: You argue with your whoop.
0: I'm like, you know what? That is not true. I'm That's like, Tara, true.
1: you keep wearing it. It's true. It knows you better than you know yourself.
0: It's funny you say
2: that because every time, so I do something with um, not necessarily clients, like anyone can can do it with me, but I do something called a nervous system audit. Mm. So basically I just get you to answer the key indicators, tell me, you know, if you wear a device, tell me stats, like give me all of your data. And I will tell you what you need to do in terms of your nervous system recovery and, and how to regulate your nervous system and things you can implement. And every single, I'm not joking, every single call that I do where I give them their action plan, it's exactly what you said. Mm. It's, its yeah, I just, I knew I needed to do all of these things. But it's not until you have someone who's like, here is why, yeah. here is the science behind it, mm. and here are the stats. And that's my whole business model that's what yeah. made me fall in love with doing this work is understanding the science yeah. is what gives you that consistency and what gives you that passion
0: understanding the why behind anything has transformed my life mm. like yeah i cannot do anything unless i understand why and the second i understand why i'm like ah oh, okay mm-hmm. i should do that like weird example but like I used to hate (laughs) this is such a weird example but I used to hate eating bananas absolutely hated them the texture of them used to make me throw up but one morning my mom was like I think I was (laughs) like way too much information but I was like slightly constipated and I was like oh my god mom I'm constipated and she's like eat a banana it has so much fiber in it and then she's like, oh, it's also, and she's just started listing out all these other things that this banana had in it. And she's like, it's got potassium and all this other stuff. And I was like, huh. And I've never looked at a banana the same. Mm. Like every yeah. time I'm, I look at it, I'm like, "Ugh," and then I'm like, oh, it's kind of good for me. Like I'll have it, yeah. like I'll eat it then. <laughs> so then I eat it. And yeah. it's the same with like the whoop, like, and I know you're probably going to explain this in a second, but like. You know, knowing that the things that help with sleep, like actually knowing the why, is the reason why I've started doing them. Mm. Like I've yeah. always known you need you need consistent. You know, you need to go to bed at a consistent time. But understanding the circadian rhythm and actually like understanding why you know having lights on at night screws up my sleep. Like tiny mm-hmm. little changes like that. My sleep isn't like perfect, but holy shit, it's been the best. It's been. For ye- like probably decades, honestly, mm. wow, that yeah. makes me sound really old. <laughs> Two I decades. Think, <laughs> I think
1: too. I was going to also ask Em about the um, the fact because on that video that we were or the podcast we talked about before with um the Whoop lady, mm. um mm-hmm. she was talking about the fact of eating three hours before you go to sleep. Mm. Like Tara and I were pretty bad with that; that we would eat right before we went to yeah. bed. Yeah. Um. And I think she says that it has a, a negative effect on your parasympathetic nervous system or anything like yeah. that. So I think you'll have a better answer for that yeah. than <laughs> me. But,
0: but <laughs> yeah, oh, I was just gonna say I really like M's approach, though. Like the answer to like what are the things you can do right, like right now, and it's yeah. improving sleep, improving breath. Because one thing I've noticed since getting the whoop and since like learning about a lot of this stuff is that you slowly just start making the extra changes mm. once you've got like the basics down pat like once barry and i got the going to bed at around it's not perfect but like around 8 30 to 9 like we've got that down pat now which is well, like astronomical to me that we've even been able to do that and then yeah. we wake up <laughs> at five between five and 5 30 every morning like just that you know was amazing and then you know then you can start looking into how like You know, eating certain meals before bed can make a difference or, you know, getting sun in the morning. Like I'm sure you're going to explain all this stuff, but yeah, like it's just focusing on the very immediate things you can do and then you slowly start getting more and more obsessed like M <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Exactly yeah. And can I just say uh we should get some kind of commission from Whoop because I
1: know. <laughs> the
0: amount of times we've already mentioned it.
1: I probably should know Whoop lady's name by now.
0: Every yeah. every ADHD <laughs> listening- Yes,
1: I think it is like that, yeah. I
0: was gonna say every ADHD listening to this has already stopped listening and they're buying a whoop yeah. as we speak.
2: <laughs> well I have actually like this is how obsessed with the whoop I am, every single clients that comes into my world I buy them a whoop I love because that. that I just I a I can see their stats mm. and mm. I can go through and and you know, work with them in a way that I can actually see their data yeah. and, and give them results on their. I uh, give them strategies based on their data, but also I know how much of an effect it can have on a human yeah. being able to see their own stats. Like there is nothing more motivating than than seeing that, and like you said, you know, having your whoop call you out and be like, oh fuck, my recovery is in like one percent. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: very confronting. It's very confronting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Now I'm going to need to think about my other question. <laughs> okay, well, well I
1: yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Emma's going to answer yeah, the true. question.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I can go through yeah. like specific things.
0: Let's do um,
2: that. Because, yeah, whilst they all come back to, to sleep and breath, there are lots of things that you can do. Mm. Like I said, I, I like to say at the bookend of your day, right? Mm. Morning and night, surrounding your sleep, those are the best times that you can implement these behaviors and the approach that i like to take is exactly what you what we've already said it's go back to evolution mm. right if you're trying to figure out what is good for you and what is not good for you go back to evolution because our hunter gatherer ancestors were not waking up and checking their their tiktok mm. in the morning mm. they were not scrolling their their phones before they were falling asleep they were not eating processed sugars <laughs> they were not like anything that you can think of in terms of healing your nervous system go back to our hunter-gatherer ancestors Mm. because that is what our bodies are cellularly conditioned to to do Mm. anything that goes against that our cellular programming it's it's foreign to that Mm. right so our body is going to take a little bit of extra energy to do that thing Mm. or process that thing therefore it's going to be more stress on the body therefore you're going to be dysregulated Mm, so in terms of of the routine and things that i implement and and the first things that i suggest to implement again coming back to the the bookends of the day is like first let's look at the the morning routine the first thing that i want you to do is well this can be both morning and night routine but when you go to bed at night put your phone on charge in a different room Mm. so put that friction between you and your phone. So A, you're not scrolling as you're falling asleep and B, you're not picking your phone up as soon as you wake up. Instead, you're going to wake up and you're going to go outside and you're going to get morning sunlight. Mm. And what that is going to do, that is the instant boost of that circadian rhythm for you. You are getting morning light in your visual receptors, in your literal eyeballs that is going to switch on all of your timings in your body And it is going to say, hey, it's daytime, it's time to be alert, it's time to be awake, it's time to focus, it's time to Mm. do all of those things. When your body is told that, the, the way that the circadian rhythm works is that our body works on this clock, right? So at certain intervals and certain points of the day, your body releases certain chemicals and neurotransmitters, and that's just how our body is meant to function, So as long as we're aligning with that circadian rhythm, as long as we're aligning with that clock, your body is going to produce all of these chemicals exactly how it's meant to. Mm. Anything that goes against that circadian rhythm, anything that goes against those behaviours is gonna alter the effects of that. So Mm. for example, going out and getting morning sunlight, instantly your body is told to be awake. It's going to suppress something called melatonin, which is our sleepy chemical. It's going to increase and release something called cortisol, which is our stress hormone, which we need in a healthy amount. And essentially it's going to set that timer to say, hey, it's the morning, we're awake. The timer's gonna start, and then that timer goes until the end of the day where it's gonna switch on all of those things in reverse. So Mm -hmm. it's going to increase your melatonin levels, it's going to suppress your cortisol levels when you after you get your morning sunlight it takes about 90 minutes for that cortisol surge to come back to balance so spending that 90 minutes doing something to allow those natural cortisol levels to come back to balance is the best thing that you can do whether that is going for a walk Mm. journaling Mm. reading a book like actually spending time doing things that are in that stillness and that slowness if you are picking up your phone or checking your emails Mm -hmm. or jumping straight into work, then you are basically just going to be like riding on this surge of cortisol before you allow it to come down. Mm -hmm. So you're really pushing and pushing and pushing. You're like smashing your body with cortisol. And that's what actually leads to that 3 p.m. crash, right? Because your circadian rhythm is like, hang on, Mm -hmm. we've used up all the cortisol. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are really like riding on this surge. And that's why we experience the 3 p.m. crash. It's also, you know, having coffee in that 90 minutes, like having any stimulants in that 90 minutes. You're actually just not allowing those cortisol levels to come back to balance. So as a general rule, it's like, okay, cool. We wake up, get that morning sunlight. It starts the circadian rhythm timer. All of our chemicals are releasing as they should. And then... We're spending that ninety minutes just allowing our body to work naturally, allowing those chemical processes to happen naturally.
0: Does that um, does that include exercise? Like, can you exercise after you get that morning sun?
2: Look, you can absolutely. It's going to be better for you than than scrolling. It's not going to be the same kind of cortisol surge. Right. Um, Obviously, it's going to be a stress on your body, Mm. but I would prefer you do exercise than scroll TikTok. Yeah,
0: fair, fair, fair point. Um,
2: yeah (laughs) and then if we're looking at the other end of the day right we are then trying to again work with those natural chemicals that are happening in terms of our circadian rhythm so once that timer starts to run out or or go off towards the end of the day to say hey it's the end of the day we want our natural melatonin levels to rise to say okay we're coming into nighttime so ways that you can actually help that is i think you mentioned before already tyra is like dimming the lights Mm -hmm. with the sun so I like to watch the sunset when I can, not so much now because the sunsets at like 9 p.m., I'm way asleep by then. <laughs> but like going out and like in in, you know, winter or I'm sure the sunsets a little bit earlier mm. for you guys. Um, but watching physically watching the sunset, again, all your sensory receptors are gonna go, okay, cool, it's nighttime. Mm. We're gonna start to bring up our melatonin levels, right? dimming the lights in the house with the sun, um, really limiting the amount of artificial light that you're getting. Um, Like you already mentioned, Barry, not eating within two to three hours of bedtime. So what actually happens is when we eat something, your body body needs to process it. Your Mm. body needs to work hard to digest and process and take all of the nutrients and do all the things that it needs Mm. to do when you eat. So your body is working away to digest that food when you're eating. If you do that, in just before bedtime, then you're going to sleep and your body is focused on processing that food mm. rather than focused on falling asleep, mm-hmm. right? So those first few stages of sleep, you are your body is too busy processing all of this food, especially if you're eating foods that are you know, quote-unquote foreign to the body, Mm. aka things that your hunter-gatherer ancestors wouldn't have Mm. found, aka chocolate in bed, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Raspberry bullets, you know, those kind of things. Um, Those are, your body has to work harder to process Mm. all of that Mm. stuff, right? So when you try and go to sleep, it's like you're you're telling your body, "Okay, it's bedtime," but your body's like, "Hang on, we're still busy. Like we're not yeah. we're not ready to be giving you melatonin yet. We need to be processing this food." Mm. So you're affecting the your it's essentially your entire night's sleep because of that that one little behavior. That's insane. Um,
1: That's crazy, yeah. wow.
0: That's
2: insane. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. uh, the phone thing, like straight at night, I, you know, put my phone out of my bedroom about 90 minutes before I go to sleep. Not only is that that light on your phone artificial light and, you know, stopping those melatonin levels from coming in because it's it's seeing light, but the scroll, if you think about what you're scrolling on your phone, even though it might feel like a mindless scroll, mm. you are getting so many stimulating factors coming into your eyeballs that your, your sensory receptors need to process. They need to process what you're viewing, what you're hearing, mm. what you're, you know everything else around you at that point, right? It's like, you're keeping your brain busy. Your brain is trying to go to sleep. Your brain is trying to you know, bring up melatonin levels, but you're telling it, no, we need to be awake. Mm -hmm. So you're actually stopping that production of melatonin and you're probably actually surging the cortisol as well, which is not what you want right before bed. Um, So yeah, the book ends of the day, really important is like, focusing on those behaviors at each end of the day and then my favorite thing to go back to you know something you can do to to help your breath is to tape your mouth at night
1: (laughs) i've tried i think you have to get specific tape because i've tried it with like the
0: we got the wrong tape no
1: what did we get the first time we used like medic like the um the physio tape Yes, and I was yeah. like, "This is terrible." Yeah. <laughs> so <I was> like,
0: <laughs> Have you got
2: no? The any- brand I use is um, Next Care Sensitive. It's a blue tape. Ah, okay. It's that's the one I've used. That's the best one I've used. Yeah, Sorry.
0: I like the yeah. I I want to get into mouth taping. The one thing I do really like is um, the nasal strips at mm-hmm. night time. Like just opening up the airway. I think. Yeah. Subconsciously I just use it more? What are you laughing about? The fact they he, fall off.
1: He, each morning we wake up with one stuck on the bed sheet or something <laughs> yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. I think I rip yeah. them off in the night. Yeah. Well, that's
2: what I tell my clients. You know, a lot of people will want to hide under the table when I tell them that they need to take their mouth at night. Because so many people fear. The you know the claustrophobic thing or the suffocating thing and there's always two things that I say to that. The first thing is, your body is smart enough to pull a piece of tape off if it feels like you can't breathe. Like mm. if it if it thinks you're gonna die, it's gonna take a t- piece of tape yeah. off your mouth. You'll be fine. The second thing is. If you do, you know, the first couple of nights, you probably will wake up and you will have taken it off in your sleep. And that just proves that you are mouth breathing at night, right? Because your body's not used to it. So that's a key indicator that you actually need to keep pushing through. There's still some nights I will wake up with it off. Some nights say if I go to bed and I've, you know, had a stressful day and my body is under a lot of stress, I will wake up and I've taken it off. But if you, you know, are struggling to persist with it, start doing it in the daytime. Start putting tape on your mouth in the day when you're reading a book or when you're working or when you're watching TV. All that is going to do, it's going to show your body that it's safe. Mm. Yeah. Right? If you're putting it on at night and that's foreign to you, your body's going to tell you you're in danger. Mm. It's not going to want you to do that because you're doing something you're not used to. You're breathing through your nose, which you're not used to. Your body is unfamiliar with that and therefore it's going to, think you're in danger. So it's Mm. not going to want to let you do it. So start to practice throughout the day, start to show your body that it's safe.
1: What actually, um, I remember watching a podcast on it and I think they explained how much air you actually, when you, when you mouth breathe, you breathe in compared to when you nose breathe and you breathe, as you said, through your stomach, not through your stomach, (laughs) to your stomach. Um, (laughs) it's like a massive, like, uh, like difference. You like, only like breathing in a quarter normally wow. if you breathe into your mm. chest.
2: Yeah. So, it, not only that, it's well. A, you are yes, you are forced to breathe deeper when you breathe through your nose. Um, so, therefore, you are breathing deeper into your belly and and all of the things. There is a reason as to why that's important. We have on our lungs, we have upper lobes and we have lower lobes mm. and. On the lower lobes are neurons that connect directly to the parasympathetic nervous system. On the upper lobes are neurons that uh, connect directly to the sympathetic nervous system, Mm. which is why when we are freaking out or having a panic attack or we're stressed, we're breathing shallow, right? Mm. We're, We're instantly activating our sympathetic nervous system. When we breathe through our mouth, we're instantly breathing shallow. We are instantly activating our sympathetic nervous system breathing through your nose, you're breathing deeper, you're breathing into those lower lobes, you are breathing into your parasympathetic nervous system. So that's one reason for for nose breathing. The second reason is that our mouths, biologically, are not designed Mm. for breathing. They are not there for breathing. We have just started breathing through them because of the way that, you know, we are, again, our ancestors used to have to eat and chew raw meat right? Mm. Stronger jaws, different face builds, bigger nasal cavities. Now we are eating processed foods. We are eating foods that don't take a lot of work to chew and process. Mm. and so evolutionary has taken us to our face shapes being different, to our you know whole the structure of our face being different, which is leading us to breathing through our mouth and the way we have become more sedentary and the way we are, constantly sitting and the way we're slouching, it's just easier to breathe through our mouth these days. So Mm. our mouths biologically aren't made for breathing. Our noses are. Our noses have filters. Mm. They have barriers to bacteria. They filter in the oxygen that we're taking in, making it higher quality oxygen that we're delivering to our brain and our body. Our mouth can't do that. So you're actually taking in less and lower quality air when you're breathing through your mouth and breathing through your nose is how you're supposed to do it. Mm.
0: <laughs> I actually heard someone say once they were like, when you look at your pet or your animal, mm-hmm. they were like, you know something's wrong when they like are breathing through their mouth. Like they're yeah. you know that their body's under some kind of stress because they're like panting. Whereas like when they're sleeping, they're you know, they're not laying mm. there going <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they're Breathing through their nose, and they're like, you know, we're designed the same. Like, we're mm. meant to breathe through our nose, not our mouth.
2: If you look at a newborn baby, mm. look at the way that they breathe in through their nose and deep into their belly. Mm. It's not until we go through life learning new habits and being under stress and living a lifestyle that teaches us to breathe through our mouth that it becomes a a habit for us
0: that's so interesting okay we'll be going to the chemist after this Barry (laughs) to get some mouth tape I I actually think I saw a photo it was your one of your Instagram stories or something that I was like I'm gonna go do that and I went to the chemist and they didn't have the right tape so i just bought any tape and it was terrible yeah and then yeah worth yeah, yeah we came home and we used it and it was not a vibe so yeah not fun <laughs> um i have one one more question about one habit that we've started implementing and mm-hmm. we really i i really enjoy it um and for me it was you that also got me to do this um but it was it's cold showers and it's cold plunges Mm -hmm. Can you tell us the benefits and particularly, I guess, why someone with ADHD might want to consider this? Yes.
2: Cold showers I absolutely love. Now, there's there's a couple of different reasons as to why it's beneficial, one kind of brain-specific reason and one nervous system reason. I think, in general, the nervous system reason is – It's a way to put your body under intentional stress, Mm. and when you put your body under intentional stress, you teach yourself how to regulate from stress. And when you teach yourself how to regulate from Mm. stress, you regulate better when there is stress in your surroundings, when Mm. there's stress that you can't control. So there's lots of things that you can do to actually put your body under intentional stress to then teach yourself how to deal with that stress. you know strengthening a muscle then the next time an external factor makes you stressed your body is actually better at regulating because you have spent time teaching it how to regulate so that's one of the reasons So
0: fascinating because it's so true when you get like when we get in the ice bath like first of all to get in i mentally have to be like okay like I've got this, like, I'm all good. It's like all that self-talk's kind of happening. Standing
1: there looking at us. Yeah, and then everyone's
0: like looking at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, okay, well, don't go into the shame cycle right now. Like, just (laughs) calm down, get in the water. And then I'm in the water. And then you're like trying to do those deep, shallow breaths, trying to like keep yourself calm, keep it cool. That's so fascinating. I've never heard it phrased like that. That's really cool. Mm. I like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason, which is especially beneficial for people with ADHD is it is an incredible source of dopamine. Mm. So it actually provides you with a really, really big surge of dopamine. It provides you with a surge that is 250% above your baseline levels of dopamine. Mm. The only other thing that reaches those levels is cocaine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, obviously, we know which one is going to be more beneficial for you in the long run. And it's... Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) One of my most viral posts was I did like a breakdown of cold showers versus cocaine. I think it was shared like 800 times. (laughs) But like everything else that we look at in terms of things that, you know, can boost your dopamine, everything sits around like the 100% Mm. mark. Cold showers is 250%. And the thing with a cold shower surge is it surges and then it actually, instead of crashing like cocaine would make you do, it actually levels out and balances mm. out and actually lasts longer throughout the
0: day for you. I love that.
1: I what, what that too. Does it actually, what's the reaction that has, happens in the body? Is it just straight dopamine or is there some? is it? The there's lots. There's
2: lots of different things. Yeah. Okay. Another. Another. <laughs> You're like it's um, two
1: hours of speaking. What
2: yeah. <laughs> No. Another. Another neurotransmitter that is released is adrenaline. Mm. So it's a good way for you to be alert and be awake and activate your body, which is why it's recommended to kind of do it first thing in the morning mm. rather than doing it at night, um, because it just you know wakes up your body. Again, at the at the crux of things, it's like putting your nervous system under this this form of stress that is you know teaching your body how to deal with it mm. so
0: after the sun in the morning is it still mm-hmm. okay to do an ice bath
2: yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I would do an ice bath like I'd do an ice bath anytime before like midday yeah like,
0: sweet.
2: just just incorporate it into your morning routine
0: yeah that's yeah because our our morning routine kind of currently looks like well waking up at five o'clock then, We we kind of go in the car with as you're driving. All this sun is like in your eyes, and it's it's not directly, but
1: no, you're not going to directly. You have the
2: windows down. I'll accept it. (laughs) I'm like there with my arms out the windows. Yeah, no. You want you want direct sunlight, direct like
0: you sunlight, want to okay. feel it in your eyeballs. Just don't like look at the sun, of- okay,
1: everyone. Just don't yeah, look yeah. at the sun.
0: Well, I can I complain yeah. the whole car ride because I'm trying to like put a little bit of mascara on before I get to the gym, and it's like blinding me in the eyes. So yeah. I can't speak with these two, but on my side of the car, it's getting in my eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then we get to the gym, we do a workout, and then not every morning, but some we will then have an ice bath or a cold shower yeah. once we go home. And I feel like on the days that we do have ice baths, like for me in particular, like you just feel good. Like you feel like you're mm-hmm. riding a wave all day. Mm. My, yeah. my question is because I think, and you ask me this question all the time around, you know, dopamine is obviously the chemical that is responsible for like motivation. I think that gets, you know, you would know that. It gets confused a lot between serotonin. So does doing an ice bath increase serotonin as well?
2: It can, can. yeah, it can, yeah. I think predominantly the thing with um, ice baths, I think the the reason that ice baths are so specifically like dopamine focused Mm. is because of how massively the surge is. Mm. Like there's nothing else that kind of surges your dopamine like that. Yeah, right, right, right.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Well, I have one last question and I feel like we already know what the answer is going to be. But if you could recommend any kind of app or device, if someone is in a position to get their hands on one, what would you recommend?
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we all have referral codes as well. Yeah, Yeah, no, definitely the whoop. I think that um, I have also heard good things about the aura ring Mm -hmm. as well. I think the Aura Ring is more. I don't know. I'm not. I'm actually not going to speak on that because I don't know the Mm. the details. But um, yeah, I've heard they're pretty similar. However, I I personally have an experience with the Whoop. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and it's not a huge investment. You actually get your device for free, and it's I think it's forty something dollars a month. Mm. Um, and it's just it's got. So much data. So, so much data. I think there's like, I don't know how many you guys do, but in my journal, I think I've got like 50 things that I fill out every day where it tells me, you know, okay, cool. It's going to read all this data and it's going to tell you this, this impacts this in this way. You know, this is beneficial for you in this way. This actually harms you. Again, that's another piece of evidence you can collect towards the things that you do on a day to day basis and how beneficial they are for you or how much they are they're hindering you. Yeah, Yeah. no,
0: I I absolutely love it. Like even just, you know, as a woman too, in particular, um, you know, being able to track like your sleep quality when you're ovulating or when you're coming up to your period, like that has been eye-opening for me. And like, you know, it when you log it long enough, it actually like what Em was saying, it ends up telling you, When you have your period, your sleep turns to shit and you're like, Mm. wow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it'll adjust your like, okay, you're coming up to this phase. Go to bed at this time. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it really simplifies it for you, especially if you are just starting to understand your nervous system it does the work for you yeah no. <laughs> like it reads how much sleep you had and it'll tell you what time to go to bed mm. because of that sleep. yeah
0: I and think, I, I think that's yeah.
1: oh sorry you go so, I think it's got a great way of waking you up too yeah I, oh vi- my god it vibrates, it's so yeah. good yeah. it's not like yeah. a massive alarm or anything like that sometimes <laughs> when you're a bit groggy and you're just like waking up you're trying to tap it and tell it to go off yeah, and it yeah.
2: I
0: like hit it I'm like stop yes.
2: <laughs> you end up hitting it like eight times
0: yeah. <laughs> But by then you're, you're awake. anyway. yeah, Yeah. it was good
2: when I first got it because it was like this beautiful, nice little wake up, but now the dogs can hear it. At first they had no idea what it was and so it didn't affect them, but now the dogs hear it and they're on me in two seconds. So it's still (laughs) stressful.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, your stress just shoots up the room. (laughs) I love that. Well, Em, I would love to ask you, is there a closing piece of advice or thought that you would like to leave our listeners with?
2: Yeah, I think that especially for, you know, this audience and people who have ADHD, I think it's, it's really important to know that you get to be in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, our body is a really simple tool. Mm. And once you understand the brain and the nervous system, and you get to know the brain and the nervous system, and more importantly, you love and honour and and just you know look after it Mm. (laughs) and and understand it more importantly you you just you have this power to to be in control and I think that it's funny the other day a friend kind of reflected to me I keep saying my whole framework is is brain body and behaviour right that is how I work with my clients and I keep saying that you know, this work will change your life. Mm. This work will change your life. That's that's kind of what I always say. And she said that that sentence does a disservice to people because it doesn't only change people's lives, it saves people's lives. Mm. Yeah. Being able to to understand and know how to optimize and heal your nervous system mm. is one of the most beautiful things that you can do for yourself. It's going to give you the highest quality life Mm. that you possibly can have so invest the time invest the energy into the science into the the very simple science of your brain and your body and just watch the quality of your life soar Mm. in response to that
0: i absolutely love that thank you so much for coming on the show em last question where can our listeners find you
2: you can find me at rose on both Instagram and TikTok. I've been a little bit slack on TikTok, but anyway. Um, on YouTube as well, I have a podcast, but everything's on Instagram, so just go there. <laughs>
0: go on Instagram, get the links. Well, we will include yeah. the links to everything down <laughs> below as well. But once again, thank you, M, for jumping on. And we are going to love you all and leave you. As always, if you have any questions or you want any guests to come on, please send us a dm or an email the links are down below Mm. um but baz do you want to say your famous five stars there you go (laughs) five stars please and we will see you guys all next episode thank you all Bye. bye